walk in the light so the darkness cannot claim you. Those who walk in darkness can't see. Put your trust in the light while the days are getting shorter. Then you'll become children of the light. Welcome to the December episode of Principal Thing Podcast. I am John, and with me in the studio, as always, is Brandon. Hey, guys. Uh, tonight, we have a special guest. Well, we have a group of special guests. We've got our families here. We thought that we might talk about all of our favorite parts of Christmas time. And so, uh, Brandon? All right, with me today uh, is my family, my wife, Hannah. And my boys, Jonathan Noah and Samuel David, can you all say hi? Hi. And I have my wife, Megan, and my son, Sean, and my daughters, Grace and Hope. Can you guys say hello? Hi. I think my favorite Christmas tradition is the happy birthday Jesus thing. When our kids get to open a present the for night Jesus. before for Jesus, you know, like we get to open presents for Jesus. Well, it's just one present, right? Yeah, that's what we grew up doing. Like we would, um, we would read that Mary Did You Know book by Mark, you know, like Mark Lowry, and then um, Luke my, chapter two. Yes, yes, she did. Yeah, and then my Paul Paul would read the Christmas story, and then we would open up one present in honor of Jesus, and then we would eat cupcakes in his honor, and blow out the candles, and sing Happy Birthday. So we've always done that with family, and then last year we started doing it um, with friends. So that's been, I like that too. I love that we put up our Christmas really early. So once Halloween is finished, my tree is ready to go up. Um, You are such an amateur. I love it. We've moved during Christmas time a couple times, or we're supposed to move around Christmas time a couple times, and we just put it up anyways, and then we'll tear it down and reset it up whenever we move. But I just love turning off all the lights um, and just having the tree lit and the garland on the fireplace and yeah. a couple lamps. It's just very peaceful. Especially with that Hallmark and cocoa going. It's, yeah. And we, so we do that for two months straight. Because I don't feel like one I mean, month is really enough. We don't do Hallmark and Cocoa for two months straight. We, 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 work, in, we work in there <laughs> as well. Yeah. Yeah, I do a lot I of like Cocoa. Shower and stuff. Yeah. So I, I enjoy that we get to have the decorations up for longer than just 25 days. I agree. We used to travel a lot. And we would be gone from... November through January, we would be gone probably, you know, like six out of eight weeks. And so it was just for us to enjoy it, we would just put it up so we could enjoy it longer. For who to enjoy it? For me and the kids to enjoy it. (laughs) And anybody who came over, they could get it. I think we like that part of it too, hosting people with the Christmas up. Not yeah. not just so they can serve Christmas, but like <laughs> Hey everybody, just, come look at what we've done. Hey, it's amazing, look, right? The sweat right. of our brow <laughs> yeah. and the strength of our backs. <clears throat> That's right. Um, no, I guess just like it I don't know, it makes the house cozy and when you host people it's just it's like family and friends and it just feels yeah. like Christmas. Except for when we lived in Pennsylvania. <laughs> 
and putting up your Christmas early in Pennsylvania was like a big no-no. Like we were quacks. And so people would come to our house and they just thought it was really odd. Like it was, it was not sentimental. It was not why cozy. Is your, why is your tree up? Why is your Christmas Made no up sense. The day after Thanksgiving. But here, I feel like oh, yeah. there's a whole put up your tree early club. Like there's yeah. a whole group of us that do yeah. that. There's a club. There is. John, there's a club. Uh-huh. And my wife is the president. <laughs> so in 2009, Megan started a tradition with our kids who at that point were eight and five, right? Is that right? Well, and we also, I'm, I'm a homeschool mom, so I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to incorporate Christmas into lessons and lessons into Christmas to tie the two together and make it make learning exciting and not just sitting at our desks all day long. I think that's really what kind of started was education. What what did it start? So <laughs> sorry. Um I decided to do an activity a day um where we did something where we just kind of brought in Christmas into our lessons, and the first thing we did was we would always start with watching um, or reading the account of Jesus' birth, and um, I would have us um, read it and then write about it, and um, just to do compare and contrast and like what you do in school but read out of Matthew and read out of Luke and compare and contrast so that way it kind of just made it more exciting and more fun because we were learning about Christmas and um, but it was still educational is there a special sort of calendar that you might use <laughs> well we call it now <laughs> the we like to call things in our family an adventure, so it was the the Advent, the adventure calendar that we would do every day. And we do we do something every day, and some days it's huge, and some days it's not. Some days it's let's get in the car and we'll go drive around and look at Christmas lights, and that's the Advent for the day. Some days it's um, like Sean's favorite. Let's split up, go to different places, and buy each other gifts. And some days it includes the Christmas snacks, and some days it 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 doesn't. Um, you know, for instance, on the day that we watch Elf, we will legitimately eat spaghetti with candy on it. Oh, yeah, it's not good. Nobody no. likes it, but everybody tries it every year. It's amazing. It's probably oh, no. the best meal we eat all year no, long. No, 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 no. Speaking of Christmas lights, why do you think it is the trend for less people to put Christmas lights up? I know. Do you notice? Yes. Especially where we are now. Yeah. It feels like less 1% of a neighborhood yeah. is going to have their lights on. Yeah. Like Christmas lights, not just... We came from, when we lived in Springdale, there was a neighborhood that every single house in the neighborhood, even the Jewish family, like they had a little blue light and that was it, but they still participated and that was really neat to just go drive around this one neighborhood that every house was lit. And and I think that's kind of why we started doing, going and looking at Christmas lights because there would be neighborhoods that would participate 
sometimes we would go down to, um, you know, like a square or someplace that had lots of lights or like the southern lights where you can drive around and drink hot chocolate in your car and look at the lights. I think for us, we're part of the 99% that still have nothing else out of our home right now. We don't either. Um, but oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, we're, we're those now people. That, now <laughs> that I think about yeah, it. That's, that's, we're part of that group. But people can see our tree from the window. I mean, this is year seven for us, and I think it has been fun to see our Christmas collection grow. We're on our 19th year of marriage, and uh, we're still not to outside. In fact, we just upgraded from all white lights to uh, those tacky colored lights this year, and that's what we have in the front window, and we're pretty pleased with it. It's so traditional. But, I mean, it's in the front window. Everybody can see it from the street. And when the cats knock it over, they can see that, too. <laughs> it's pretty great. One of the things that I did growing up is um, my dad was worship pastor at our church. And we would do a Christmas Eve service no matter what day of the week it was. And it was really neat, um, you know, to, to celebrate with your church family and to kind of kick off Christmas with, um, you know, your church family. And my dad would sing and our pastor's wife would sing and I would sing. And when I grew up and got married, we still took the kids to that and we did the Lord's Supper. And I was really excited when we came to this church and they did the same tradition. And, you know, sometimes it falls Christmas Eve on a Sunday. Sometimes it's a couple days before, but... I just I think that's a really neat thing to do as a family and to to have your church family together and your friends and to do the Lord's Supper and to just really focus um, on what this season is about. And a couple of years ago, um, Christmas I think was on a Sunday, and so we did do some kind of. Well, we did Christmas Eve, and then as a family, we decided to open presents on Christmas Eve. So that way, Christmas Day was just about Jesus, just doing the happy birthday celebration. And and it was just, I think that was something that I do tend to get, you know, with all of our activities, I do tend to kind of get into the commercial aspect of it. And just to stop and focus on, you know, what... The, what the season is about and what the day is about and that's something that we forget a lot of times Yeah. and so to bring that in and as a church family um, it's just I, it's something that just touches my heart and it's good this is going to be our first year that all three of my kids are going to get to do the Lord's Supper you know and so I think that's just going to be a special a special time for us for us, it's been fun just this year because our boys are five and almost 30 for us to kind of start feeling our way through what our Christmas traditions will be and how we want things to go during the Christmas season because they're just now kind of getting to that age where they understand the holiday season and they're excited. And so um, it's been fun to have those conversations where we're really kind of taking the time to go, okay, we really want to turn our hearts and focus on Christ and, and his birth. And, um, 
So hearing other people's stories and hearing what other people are doing and, and trying to pick and choose from that. And, um, you know, Jonathan Noah is so receptive to anything that he hears right now. And so you realize how important these years are to teach them. Like we have the ability now and the chance now to teach them that December 25th, is presence and it is lots of food and it is family time but it is the day that we're getting to celebrate the birth of our Lord and um, so that's one thing that I guess I would encourage us and I hope we continue to just pray through and make it a matter of prayer that it really is important the traditions that you instill in your family now because that directs the path of your kids and how they see this holiday and how they see this season um so it's a pretty, I mean, it's a pretty heavy responsibility, I would say, for parents to guide their children in that direction. Yeah, keeping it focused on Christ without becoming, well, corporate Christmas like we talked about. Especially with, um, you know, stores marketing primarily to the children. Um, I mean, that's their focus. Like, they're the ones who's being targeted, not the parents. They're not being marketed for the toys and all that stuff. It's it's the kids. Um, and so finding that balance of, uh, and really not even the balance, but just shifting the focus yeah. to, you know, we're celebrating Christmas because Jesus, not because we need that really cool item. Broadway Baptist Church is hosting a Financial Peace University class here on campus beginning Sunday night, January the 5th at 5 p.m. You can view the full schedule online and register by following our church's link at fpu.com slash 110742. That is fpu.com slash 110742. So feel free to sign up in the Welcome Center or online. See you there. Welcome back to the Principal Thing Podcast. I am John, and Brandon is here with me in the studio as always. And today, our guest is Pastor Tim Lampley. Tim, welcome. Hey, glad to be here, guys. We are excited that you were here today. What we wanted to do is just kind of do a retrospective on your time here at Broadway, talk about some of the things that you really enjoyed, some of the high points, and also maybe take a look at the future and where you think Broadway could go from here and what the future looks like for you and for Miss Lisa. So, okay, sounds good. All right. Well, I'm going to actually kick it over to Brandon and let him get us started today. Yeah, so um, Tim, when you first came to Broadway back in 2004, right? That's right, June of 2004. Awesome. Uh, when you were coming in, did you, uh, you didn't come at first to be the pastor, right? That's right. In fact, um, I'd been senior pastor in Tupelo, Mississippi for nearly 15 years prior to that. And um, I came with the express purpose to be the associate pastor for Dr. Robert Moore. Awesome. Um, so when did you transition to pastor? Well, um, in 2006, uh, it became very clear. Uh, Brother Bobby's wife had uh, grown extremely ill, and he just needed to be there 
uh, on a full-time basis to take care of her. And so 2006, the church actually formed a search uh, council, much like we're in the process of doing now. And um, uh, I wound up being the extent of their search. And of course, I'm looking back so grateful, but um, that, that whole process took place in 2006. And if I'm accurate, I think I became the pastor in April of 2006. Um, so when you took on uh, the position as pastor, um, and I, I know you personally, I know you prayed about this. You were truly seeking the Lord's face and trying to understand what he had for you here. Um, but in that process, did you start to maybe have um, like some hopes and dreams about uh, what Broadway could become, uh, maybe as God led you? Yeah, you know, it's funny because looking back, um, just to be completely honest, when we came in 2004, as I mentioned just a moment ago, I came to be the associate pastor, and I really hoped that I could be the associate pastor for at least five or six years. Our family had been through a, just a tremendous time of crisis with one of our children, and we were just drained. We were drained uh, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and uh, I just felt like I needed to be able to step back from being a senior pastor. And without seeking a position, without putting a resume out, I was contacted by Brother Bobby Moore. So I was really thrilled and knew that God called us here uh, and so that I could be his associate. I just never dreamed I'd only get to do that for around two and a half years. But, but when the day came and the church came to me, everybody was praying. And there was an overwhelming sense that uh, God was handing the reins over to me to lead Broadway Baptist Church. Obviously, I was thrilled. Uh, I was excited. In some ways, I was kind of scared to death. I was stepping in to a place of leadership where a guy had led this church for 33 years. I mean, absolutely mind-boggling when you think about that. And uh, so the first thing, I didn't want to mess it up. I mean, I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I, just, I didn't want to mess it up. He'd had such tremendous, uh, um, the favor of God was always on Brother Bobby. He was a tremendous preacher, uh, a prayer warrior, uh, just really one of the great, great men of God that I've had the privilege to meet. So I think initially I just didn't want to mess it up. And then as I began to sort of step into that leadership role, I, I began more and more to want to reestablish uh, for Broadway uh, part of their rich heritage, which was uh, the preaching and the teaching of God's Word in an expository fashion. And uh, I, I wanted to make that a private commitment, but also a public commitment. And so really, with very few exceptions, for the last 15 and a half years, uh, we've been committed, I've been committed to expository preachings. And if it's not been uh, a book-by-book -book series, it might be a theme, but every time we took the scripture to address that theme, we always tried to preach it, speak it in an expository fashion. And so one of my goals was to continue to do that. The second thing was to establish a, a strong, strong uh, prayer foundation. And I feel like we've made some strides, but to be honest with you, we still have so, I think every church and every individual Christian has uh, potential to grow in that area. 
And then, you know, just relationships. I wanted my ministry to be built on a, a solid relationship with the Lord and then horizontal relationships with others that really exemplified uh, loving God first and then loving others as myself. I, I hope that people have a sense that that's been accomplished. Well, I know personally, um, I just can't tell you how refreshing it is because, um, you know, we've been in several churches, Hannah and I, and uh, it's just been so refreshing to hear um, that expository style preaching. And uh, it's definitely made a difference in our lives. And so thank you. Um, How about the relationship part? You think that uh, we've hit, <laughs> hit any, made any ground there? <laughs> I think so. I mean, um, I know we just within our care group, because that's how much um, or that's the majority of time that we spend with people at Broadway is uh, either for me with the choir or uh, be with our care group. And um, I think uh, that group has just kind of taken that uh, that, I guess, lean into the relationship building process and Great. has just exploded from that. So, Great. yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. I would absolutely echo what Brandon is saying in terms of expository preaching and in terms of relationships. I think that you have, just in my short time here, I've been here for five years, but in that time I have seen you be relational with people, mm -hmm. and I have seen people uh, who have emulated that uh, in Sunday school classes and care groups, and so I think that you have really done uh, – a wonderful job there. I think that you have followed where the Lord has led. And that's been really, I don't know if, if maybe fun, that may not be the word that I'm looking for, but it's, it's been really great to watch it. What are a couple of your best memories from your time here at BBC? You have been here, uh, like you said, since 2004, started as that associate pastor and then became the senior pastor. Uh, what are some of the, some of the high points along the way when you look back over your tenure here? Well, um, it's a tough question because um, some of the things that I would consider high points uh, might not be on anyone else's radar screen. Uh, by that I mean uh, seeing a particular individual get saved might not seem like an, uh, an earth-shattering event for the entire congregation, but perhaps it was somebody that I'd been praying for or working with and in over 15 years, as you might imagine, uh, we've had the, the privilege to see a lot of people come to know Christ. And uh, that's been so enriching. Um, I've been able to see some marriages uh, strengthened and healed, some actually completely restored, raised from the dead. That's not always been the case. Uh, some of the lowest points in my ministry here have been watching a family disintegrate and seemingly stand there and feel like, Nothing's working. We, we haven't been able to reach in and help. And that's been, for me, uh, whether it's any city, whatever state I've served in, um, watching a family or an individual disintegrate before your very eyes is probably one of the lowest points in ministry. But if I were to think back where I could name something the entire church might recognize as well, I go back uh, to the revival with Life Action Ministries uh, in 2010, and uh, the church had been through a real crisis again, and I uh, won't go into details about all of the crisis, but let me just say that the church was as desperate and needy for a, a move of God, uh, spiritual revival, healing, forgiveness at that time more than any other time than I've seen any church I've pastored. 
and uh, the church itself was at a low point. And looking back, I can honestly tell you that I, I was at a low point, uh, probably surviving uh, week to week. Just, you know, the old joke is every pastor writes out his resignation letter every Monday morning. <laughs> I never did that physically, but I'll tell you in my mind, I think I had several occasions where I went through the motions and tried to imagine what it would be like. It was a very, very discouraging, lonely, heartbreaking time. And uh, I kid you not, Life Action Ministries out of Buchanan, Michigan, had been contacting me for some time, and I just resisted, resisted, resisted. And I did so on the basis of, I don't have time for this. I don't have the energy for this. I don't want to fool with this. And uh, one day, I came into my office and opened up my email and it was Life Action Ministries badgering me again to host their group for a two-week revival. And I thought, man, when are these people going to stop hammering me? And, and, and yet at the same time, I'm opening up the attachment. And, uh, and when I did, uh, it was a letter from a pastor. <laughs> I'm sorry. No apologies necessary. But, uh, I read that letter by a pastor that I'd never met before, and he described what an awful shape he was in spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and even physically, and how the church he was pastoring had just become uh, a spiritual wreck. And he described how, with tremendous reluctance, he invited Life Action to come, and God moved so powerfully that it changed the church and it ultimately changed his life. He said, in fact, he's now a full-time minister with Life Action Ministries and believes in what they're doing. And I read that letter. At that time, we had an executive administrator uh, and uh, Jim Westmoreland was such a great guy and a great friend. I walked over to Jim's office, the office that you're now uh, living in, Brandon, and I threw the letter on Jim's desk and I said, we're doing this contact them and get it done. And he looked at me and he said, are you crazy? I said, yes, it's official, but we're doing it. And Jim made the phone call. <laughs> and within a matter of months, uh, they brought their team. Oh my goodness. It was like a small army wow. invaded our entire campus. Mm -hmm. And for, for two full weeks, um, God moved miraculously um, among the church body. And there was more brokenness and repentance and forgiveness being experienced and forgiveness being given than I've ever experienced at any other time in my life. And I'll tell you, for me, um, if, I, if I would have died right after that, I, I'm telling you, I would have just been absolutely okay with it because I felt like we experienced uh, heaven on earth for that mm. time. And it still remains one of the high points in my life and in the ministry here at uh, Broadway. It was tremendous. And, and then I would just say, actually becoming the pastor here was a high point. Even though I was a little bit unhappy at first that the associate gig ended after such a short time, um, once I embraced the role, I was so excited. And on a very special day, uh, Brother Bobby Moore he actually installed me as their new pastor. Oh, and wow. He had a, a very beautiful uh, prophet's mantle uh, sewn and custom made, which he draped 
over my shoulders and then he had me seated as he knelt before me and took off my shoes and literally washed my feet before the congregation and as I wept and uh, uh, my entire family from Illinois uh, was here. Both of my parents were still alive. Oh, that's really and, neat. And uh, got to experience that. So it was a rich, rich time of uh, being affirmed by God, by uh, my pastor who I revered, and, and then for the church to embrace me. Um, that, that was truly a high point. And there's been so many, but those stick out in my mind right now as memories that I will cherish for the rest of my life. Those are some really great, great memories, some really great things to be able to take with you and to be able to say, this is, this is what I saw God do that I got, that he let me be a part of. I think that's, those are, those are some really fantastic memories. So thank you very much for sharing. I'm going to go a little bit sad here, I think, for, for just a moment. After I came in 2014, um, uh, your, your oldest son, Seth, passed away um, about a year after that, uh, maybe a little bit less than well, that. He passed away in April of 2016. Okay, so April it was the 24th. a little bit, uh, so about a year, a little more than a year after I got here. And then a little more than a year later, Nathan passed. 14 months later, on, uh, on June the 7th of 2018, Nate passed away as well. You're right. I know that you have really, you and Miss Lisa both, that was, when we talk about, when we read about, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we always sort of read that with a, well, that happens to other people's sort of mentality. But that's something that you and Miss Lisa had to, had to walk through. How did you guys sort of walk through that. What was, what was your experience? Can you share just a little bit with us? Yeah, I can. And it's interesting what you said. Uh, you specifically just said that when we read the 23rd Psalm and we, that famous iconic phrase, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, somehow we always sort of project that on to others. I can tell you that on April 24th of 2016, I was seated on the front pew where I always sit, ready to spring into action after the offering and uh, get up there and do my thing, you know, preach the message. And uh, we were singing a chorus. I, I think it's simply entitled, God, I Need You. And, 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 you know, that song just, God, I need you, God, I need you. And I remember at one point I quit singing and just started quietly reciting to the Lord all the ways I needed him. I mean, it was a. Mo I was caught up in worship, and out of the my periphery vision on my left side, I just sort of glanced, and I, I really thought well, that's so weird. I think I just saw Sheriff Bill Rasco standing uh, over by the door, and sure enough, I look again. There's Bill Rasco, a wonderful Christian guy. So glad he's our sheriff. He motions for me to come over, and. Uh, uh, I get up. Ryan England was subbing that day for Stephen Gross, who was at that time our worship pastor, Brandon. And I remember walking past the platform area and sort of motioning for Ryan to keep it rolling, buddy. I need to go visit with the sheriff. Probably won't take long. I didn't say a word. He just sort of saw my hand he, signals. He saw and you and exactly he went with what I wanted him to do. 
And, and at the same time, while I was making my way to Sheriff uh, Bill Rasco, and this is no exaggeration, I thought, oh, dear Lord, I'm going to have to give one of our precious families some bad news today. Meaning, I'm telling you, the thought that he was there for me was a thousand miles away. It never entered my mind. And yeah. so I meet him, step out into the hallway. Bill was there with his wife, Pam, who's just as sweet as the day is long. And he says, uh, Pastor Tim, where's Miss Lisa? Which I thought was the most ridiculous question I had ever heard. And I looked at Bill Rasko and I said, well, she's in the kitchen preparing for a luncheon. And then I said, but she doesn't need to be here anyway. I'll take care of whatever you mention. Because I thought he was there for someone else. Yeah. And I thought, I'm the pastor. She's my wife, but I take care of this stuff. And he looked at me, and uh, I'll never forget this. He said, you, you don't understand. There's been a terrible accident. And the, the moment those words came out of his mouth, it dawned on me. Oh, my goodness. He's here to see me. And uh, my wife hadn't arrived yet in the hallway. Unbeknownst to me, uh, one of our faithful men had gone to get her. And, and I said, uh, has something happened to my daughter? Because I knew Beth Ann was traveling from Branson, Missouri to Memphis for some sort of grisly quarterfinals game or something back then. And I knew she was on the road with friends. And I really thought she'd been in an accident. And I said, Bill, has something happened to my daughter, Beth Ann? He said, no, sir. Your son, Timothy Seth, was killed this morning in a car accident. And about that time, uh, Lisa was walking up the hallway, and I turned, and uh, she knew something was just, you know, off the charts wrong. And she said, what's wrong? And I said, uh, Seth was killed this morning in a car accident. And she collapsed in my arms, and I collapsed in her arms, and we just wept. And from that moment, I'll tell you, uh, it's not very clear at that moment after that because we were just absolutely wiped out. Uh, the church, some men, and I say some men because I really don't remember who did it for us, but some men got us to our home, mm -hmm. and, um, and then after that, people just started flooding our home, bringing food and uh, other things and just praying and not staying long, not overdoing it, um, just loving us. And, and then, of course, uh, going through the funeral service and uh, we were just overwhelmed. And for the next year, um, we just kept receiving the love of God, the mercy of God in a way that I'd always preached you guys have spoken yeah. enough. You've been in enough churches. You've been uh, saved long enough to know. We say stuff like, well, you know, that's what the family of God does, and that's what the body of Christ is all about. Yeah. And, and I'd preached all of that, and I guess to one degree or another I'd experienced it, but not like that time. Right. And uh, just when we thought our nightmare was, uh, you know, sort of beginning to transition into a time of uh, sunnier days, uh, 14 months after Seth was killed, um, we found our son Nathan unresponsive in his bedroom. And uh, I began to do CPR, called 
911, the whole smear, and it was very traumatic, um, very traumatic, and uh, rushed him to the hospital, and he was all hooked up on life support. That was on June 1st. On June 7th, he passed away. They took the life support away, and uh, I'll tell you, um, again, the church family realizing where we were at this point was even different than where we were when Seth passed away. Uh, came to us and said, take some time off. I remember thinking, like, how much time do you think we could spend away? They said, take time off. Take as much time as you need and then take some more time. There was no limit. And I just remember that we were privileged to take a six-week sabbatical leave. We could have taken 10. We could have taken 12, I think. But we took six weeks and we just went away and we were private and we were alone. But I tell you that when you ask me, do I have any memories that just stand out in my mind about, you know, what, what it's meant to me and Lisa to be here to serve? Um, we have never experienced God's love at any other time in our lives greater than our years here at Broadway when the church, the family of God, actually became for us the hands of Jesus, the feet of Jesus, the heart of Jesus. Um, we felt so loved and still feel loved even as we make an exit or a transition into another realm of ministry. John, Brandon, I, I wish every pastor in America wouldn't have to go through what we went through, but I wish they could experience the level of agape, divine love that the church has poured out on me and my entire family. Uh, I will never, ever be able to shake the memory and, and don't want to for that matter. Speaking of just how the church really stepped up and and fulfilled God's calling on them to to minister to you and Lisa and Mimi and um, Bethann in in that way. As far as the the future, what are your hopes for Broadway to continue doing? Like, what do you what do you long to see Broadway do in the future days to come? I, I want more than anything for Broadway Baptist Church to be a church family that is placed directly under the headship of Jesus Christ, that we would never fall into the murky water of making some human personality our hero, our number one leader. But and you understand, we are leaders and, and we need to be followed and God's appointed us to lead. However, I see some churches that are so personality driven and the personality is not Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. I never, ever want to see Broadway become that kind of church. In fact, my prayer increasingly has become that we would so identify with the lordship, the headship, the leadership of Christ and Christ alone that when people step foot onto this campus, they get a very distinct a sense that Christ is in charge. And um, when he's in charge, it's not a harsh authoritarianism, but there's a gentleness and a meekness a sweetness about God's leadership, and yet a firmness that lets you feel safe and secure. I pray that in the future days, Broadway will be a church always characterized by a commitment to God's Word, not just reading it uh, you know, on a daily basis so we can check off that box for our quiet time, yeah. but really 
reading it, studying it, and being committed to follow the Word of God or to obey it, to heed, to obey the Word of God. Then prayer. I, I want us to continue on that path of becoming a church that prays. And then a church that would continue on. I received from Brother Bobby when I came a rich heritage of a church that was very mission-minded. And I'll tell you, in the past few years, I've seen us regaining some of that momentum to become an others-centered church. And I want to see us grow particularly in that area for local outreach as well as international, crossing some of those types of barriers. But I have high hopes that uh, Broadway will continue to grow intentionally in those areas. I think those are very well-placed hopes. Uh, and I think that they're well-placed hopes because of the, the way that you have uh, followed and been obedient, even as you were a leader here. Uh, I know that uh, Jason and Carlene and Brandon and I, we all have an outward focus, in part, obviously, because we're supposed to have an outward focus, but equally in part because you have demonstrated that to us. So I'm really, I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to serve for a pastor who says, let's go, let's go outside and tell people outside, let's go and do that. So that has been really. And and, and let me say from my end, one of the joys of ministry, at least for me, is that I've never really been a micromanager and, and I hope that's come across. I feel like it has. But one of the things I've enjoyed is watching you guys take those things that God has placed on your heart and to flesh it out and to do it where I get to be not only the pastor but a cheerleader and to say, you know, sick them and go get them and all that kind of stuff. But it's been so much fun for me to watch our our various uh, arms of ministry doing some very unique uh, uh, missions, if, if I could say it like that. And for me, that's been a blast. That's been fun for me to watch and to be a part of. Well, you know, speaking of cheerleading and missions and fun, you and Miss Lisa are transitioning to a brand new sort of ministry for you guys. Yeah, and um, uh, to put it I, mildly, <laughs> fun is the word, right? Fun uh, is absolutely fun the word. My mind, but I like that word. <laughs> well, I know that the church, at the same time as we're searching for a senior pastor. We're also cheering you on as you move into this new role. So what are some of the things that you are, I guess, the most looking forward to, or or what are some of the things that you are anticipating or expecting to, um, to be able to do in this new role? I know of course, it's the future, and you have no idea what that looks like necessarily. Well, no, I can see but... very clearly in the future. It's one of my <laughs> gifts. <laughs> Listen, for the sake of anybody that may be listening that doesn't have a clue as to what you're talking about, my transition. Right, right, Lisa right. Lisa and I are transitioning from uh, 36 years of uh, being a husband and a wife who identified completely with the local church and me being the pastor and Lisa being a very faithful and wonderful pastor's wife. Um on January the 5th, we will be full-time employees slash missionaries. They appoint us as missionaries mm-hmm. for the Baptist Children's Village in Water Valley, Mississippi. Um, the Baptist uh, Convention for the state of Mississippi, I think, has seven, seven different campuses across our state where they uh, love children who are in crisis, okay? Right. So that's what, we're going to become house parents, 
and uh, specifically to uh, some boys, two sets of brothers right now that we know about. That's very fluid. It could always change, but uh, could be more, could be less. Uh, but let's just say it just stayed the way it is. Um, I've never been more excited than I am right now and never more frightened than I am even as I sit with you guys in this studio. That is perfectly understandable. Um, Lisa and I are scared to death. And it's a weird kind of a feeling because we're just so excited about, we, we don't know what to expect. I've uh, had a hard time falling asleep on some evenings, dreaming or thinking about some of the things uh, that could turn out to be reality. Uh, I've laid awake at night dreaming about things to do with children, um, some renovations on the campus to make life more enjoyable for these precious kids that God is about to entrust to our care. But yeah. um, let's just say that I never dreamed even three years ago that I would be telling you in an interview that Lisa and I were going to be full-time parents again. Uh, I'm 61, and she'll be 60 in December. I'm just going to say it. There you go. <laughs> and and I'll, I'll deal with her when I get home. She'll kill me. We will edit that part um, out. Thank you, but I'm somehow not believing that. But <laughs> I, 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 I'm praying for strength and stamina. Um, I know they say age is only a matter of the mind, but uh, my mind feels older than it did, even at age 40. So just, just asking God to give us the energy and the passion again to pour ourselves into these boys and also to minister to the other house parents on the campus. We really feel a calling to sort of pastor them. I can't shake that part of my life. Yeah. I feel like it'll always be a part of my life. And someone said, I can't believe that you're uh, not going to preach anymore. I said, well, I am going to be preaching uh, every week, every day, but to a much smaller congregation, a congregation of four. Yeah. And like I say, that could change, but no, we're excited. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you a little bit, if we've got some time. Sure. Uh, a little over a year ago, Lisa and I went to Uganda with another church member and to visit the Gwartneys. Uh, our church supports them as missionaries. And of course, they have Good Shepherd's Fold Children's Home. Well, I think had we not had some other responsibilities here, we might have just said, hey, Broadway, ship our clothing to us. We're staying in Uganda. We won't be back. We'll see you in heaven. That is how I felt when I came back from Belize. Absolutely. Like, so I just wanted it, to, right? absolutely. I wanted to stay in Belize and just minister to those kids so, and be like, okay, this is I where mean, I live now. I mean, we were now. just like going, crud, I wish we didn't have to go home. But we did, and we came. But uh, both of us had a very difficult time shaking the impact that the children had on our lives. And then Lisa, because women can be sneaky, you know, even those that love the Lord, she began to secretly pray about being a foster parent without telling me or even asking for my permission like she needed it. And uh, anyway, uh, the, the village contacted me one day only because I'm a pastor, and they wanted to sort of make me aware. And I told Lisa, and she said, yeah, let's go see it. Well, unbeknownst to me, she'd already been praying. And then once I saw it, I just had like crazy stuff happening in my mind. <laughs> and coming home that day, I looked at her and I said, I'm having crazy thoughts. She said, I am too. I said, what kind of crazy thoughts are you having? And we both shared and, and it, it just seemed like God was saying, I want you to love 
these children. I, I thought about that. And you know what? We've been preaching through the book of James, but uh, this is what the scripture says, pure and undefiled religion before God uh, is to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and, of course, to keep yourself unspotted from the world. And um, while he hasn't called us to a specific widow ministry, and while these kids may not classically fit into being a true orphan, they are kids mm -hmm. without family. They are kids who need to be loved and who need safety and who need to know the truth that even though maybe things have happened in their lives because of abuse or abandonment or drug abuse or alcohol abuse, that they have a heavenly father that really loves them. Yeah. And my greatest goal at this stage in my life, along with my wife, is to be a missionary to these children and show them God's love in such a way that their lives will be impacted. The director of the entire ministry for the Baptist Children's Village over the entire state of Mississippi is led by a gentleman by the name of Sean Milner. Sean lived for 18 years at the village, graduated from MC, went on to law school, had a successful law practice, and has come full circle, and now he's back home leading the ministry that loved him to Jesus Christ. Wow. I, I hope we have a chance to love some kids that way. Absolutely. Yeah. I cannot tell you. I mean, I am obviously biased because of what I do here at the church, but the fact that you're going to work with kids and really show kids the love of Jesus, just, I mean, that excites me to no end. I, I cannot wait. <laughs> this past Sunday, of course, uh, one of our little girls, uh, Carly, came forward. Yep. And, of course, I sat there with uh, just this massive expectation about what our church has become almost used to, and I hope we never take it for granted. <laughs> I agree. But, but when she was introduced, all the children from Children's Church hooping and hollering and cheering her on, I, I can't get used to it. It's incredible. I smile, I laugh, I whisper an amen, and I think... Anytime a lost person comes to Christ, there is a massive celebration in heaven. And, and I can't even imagine that and how it must make uh, everyone the host of heaven feel when I get so excited by hearing a small group of children go bananas when oh, yeah. one of their peers uh, surrenders their life to Jesus. No, yeah. we're, we're more than excited about pouring our lives into some of the most precious people on the planet, the, the least of these, those whom Jesus said suffer or encourage the yeah. little children to come unto me. We hope we can have a hand in that. I'm excited for what you guys get to do. I'm excited to get to watch you and to get to hear reports and, and just see how yeah. God's working in and through you. I, I'm really, really excited. Well, Brandon's <laughs> kids have been good practice ground for us. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Technically half the practice because I only have two kids. So. That's right. Just That's, let that sink in. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Pastor, thank you very much for being with us here today. Uh, thank you for sharing with us very openly and honestly. It has been an absolute privilege. I think that I can speak for everyone on staff. I won't because Brandon's right here. I'll let him speak for himself. No, but I'll agree. Uh, I it, it has just been an absolute joy to work with you and for you and alongside you to serve with you. Uh, and, and I am, I and my whole family are praying for you. And I know that as a staff, we're praying for you yeah. as you move on to this next adventure that God has planned for you. We are, we're so, so excited. 
you know, I told Stephen this when he stepped down from the the worship position. It's very rare to see a man who has followed God into the ministry, then follow God either out of the ministry or into a new ministry that is different and foreign. And now I have been here at Broadway and I've seen it twice. And I think that speaks volumes to your leadership uh, and your, your, your servant leadership of showing us what it looks like to lead the people of God, even as you serve the people of God. And so I just am very grateful for that. And I want to say thank you publicly for being such a, such a man of God that we can all, we can all look up to and emulate. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I'm humbled even to hear you say that. So, and I could say on the other hand, what a joy it's been for me. And I think you guys know that already. And I hope the rest of the staff would understand that, you know, I didn't mention this, but one of the greater joys of being pastor here at Broadway has been working with uh, the team. Um, I think many people take for granted what our church has, and that is a united staff and a, everybody that we don't just work well together or tolerate each other. We actually really like each other yeah. and love each other and look forward to being together. Um, I can tell you that I know enough about what's going on across the country to know that that is something to be cherished. And, and I will consider that and uh, always thank God for the privilege, the gift of working with people like you guys and the other staff that have become a family to me and Lisa. So that's a high point for sure. Thank you so much, Pastor Tim, for being with us today and sharing your heart and your vision for our church and also to let us know a little bit about what you and Miss Lisa will be doing in the future. So thank you so much for coming on board. Well, thanks again, guys, for having me. It's been a privilege. From the studio behind the skybox, the families behind the principal thing wish you a Merry Christmas. Walk in the light so the darkness cannot claim you. Those who walk in darkness can't see. Put your trust in the light while the days are getting shorter. Then you'll become children of the light.